warm greetings to our brethren here and around the world. We hope you're having a great Sabbath. Every year brings us closer to the kingdom of God, and we're being trained, as we've heard over and over again, as kings, priests, and judges. And that training includes a way of life, a way of living. And we are challenged by the world around us that tempts us to live a different kind of life. The Wall Street Journal called the decade of the 2010s the decade of disruption. The New York Times called it the decade of distrust. And another pundit called it the decade of deception. So these descriptors contrast with a future kind of decade and world that God will give us in tomorrow's world, a different kind of world. What kind of characteristics will the new world bring to us? And what kind of characteristics will we bring to that new world? Right now in this decade of disruption and distrust and deception, what is the major cause for that kind of characteristic? I won't turn there, but you know Proverbs 14.12 and Proverbs 16.23. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the way of death. Or as the NIV has it, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. In other words, what is the cause of all the world's problems? One of the major causes is human nature. So God has called us to overcome human nature and to be a light to the world and to solve the world's problems under the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So we look forward to that wonderful tomorrow's world, the kingdom of God on earth, and the godly characteristics that world will bring and feature. What are some of those characteristics? Godly love, forgiveness, Obedience to the government and of God and the commandments of God. We heard quite a bit about that in the, the sermonette, that we have to practice God's way of life and meditate on God's law. The world tomorrow will have one true religion. One of the major characteristics of that new way of life in tomorrow's world is an attitude of service. Let's turn to Matthew, the 20th chapter. Matthew 20. One major characteristic of tomorrow's world will be the attitude of service. Who is the greatest servant in the universe? God the Father is the greatest servant in the universe. Even Jesus said, my Father is greater than I. That's in John 14 and verse 28. So God has called of us, all of us, to be like him and to be like Christ. He's called us to serve. So my question today for you is, do you have the attitude of a servant? Do you have the attitude of a servant? Here in Matthew, the 20th chapter, the, uh, one of the subheads has greatness in serving. Matthew 20 and verse 20. We've read this many times, and you're familiar with it. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. 
So they've had ambition, and God calls us and cautions us not to have selfish ambition. We need to set goals as the first law of uh, success, and set the right goal. But God warns us about selfish ambition. And so what kind of attitude have they had? Uh, selfish ambition is also one, I'll just mention it, is one of the fruits of the flesh in Galatians uh, 5, verse 20. Selfish ambition. And we've had several of our, over the, over the decades, some of our uh, ministers and uh, a former association and that uh, wanted to be promoted to a certain a position. It was a regional, I better be not get too specific, but there was a, a region, an opening for a regional director in one part of the uh, world, away, away from here. And someone from another part of the world was not chosen to be the regional director, and he left the church. He had selfish ambition. We have to be careful that we don't have that kind of vanity and that kind of ego uh, that we want to be promoted, like the sons of uh, Zebedee here. John the Baptist had the opposite attitude. He said, referring to Jesus, he must increase while I decrease. That's in John 3, in verse 30. Continuing here in uh, verse 24 of uh, Matthew, the 20, 20th chapter. Matthew 20. Verse 24, and when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with that, with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So we have several sermons on that subject of service. A Call to Serve by Bruce Tyler, number 647. Love, Fear, and Serve God by Jim Meredith, sermon number 942. Uh, faithful and Loyal Servants, one I gave a long time ago, 797. Uh, one by Mr. Wyatt Seselka, Godly Leaders are Servant Leaders. That's sermon number 888. And then Dr. Meredith gave several sermons on servant leadership. Uh, sermon number 121, Will You Be a Servant Leader? Sermon 241, Practice Servant Leadership. Uh, sermon number 343, Learn Servant Leadership, and Sermon number 476, Servant Leadership. So, brethren, again, do you have the attitude of a servant? And Jesus Christ set the example of service. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve, and gave his life as a ransom for many. So how do we exemplify this life and attitude of service? Certain businesses realize that if they're going to be successful, they need to serve their customers. Uh, many businesses typically feature a customer service department. I've been helped uh, many times by calling certain businesses or credit card companies for uh, customer service. 
And they typically will ask, the first question they'll ask is, how may I help you? So I, I appreciate that question. In fact, I was calling one of our headquarters departments here the other day, and the individual said, how may I help you? It was just really a, a warming invitation. And that's the title of the sermon today. How may I help you? All of us should internalize that attitude if you haven't already. I remember years ago, uh, I was in a department store, and I saw this, uh, one of the clerks had a, a badge on her lapel, and it was H-M-I-H-Y. I guess it was supposed to remind her to ask the question, how may I help you? Well, what was the attitude of God's apostles and servants? Turn back to James. James was the very brother of Jesus Christ. He could have claimed for popularity, he could have referred to his relationship with the Messiah, but how did he refer to himself in opening the epistle of James, James 1, verse 1? James, a brother of Jesus Christ, no, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, his brothers were very skeptical, and they were kind of... Uh, uh, kind of slandering him at first, but after they saw the resurrected brother, they were converted. You read about that in Acts, the first chapter, how Mary and uh, the brothers were there at the upper room. So James became converted, and Jude became converted. But what were their attitudes? How did they identify themselves? A bond servant of God and Jesus Christ. You want to turn back uh, over to uh, first, first Peter, uh, first Peter, the first chapter, and how did Peter refer to himself? First Peter one verse one. Well, no, I guess he referred to himself as an apostle here, and that, and so did the apostle Paul at times. But second Peter one. The Apostle Peter gives a different ad, uh, title to himself, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, there were times when the Apostle Paul used his authority as an apostle. So these individuals understood that they were bondservants of Jesus Christ. The Greek word is doulos, which is a person bound in service without wages, a slave or a serf, that's doulos. Now the feminine is doule, where the, you turn to Luke, the first chapter, for an example of that, and we find Mary, the mother of Jesus, in this inspiring section. Oh, I find Luke 1, 2, and 3 are just very inspiring. Luke 1 and verse 35. Luke 1 and verse 35. The angel talks to Mary and says that she's going to become pregnant. And uh, Mary says, the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And uh, verse 36, Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. 
For with God nothing is impossible. So how did Mary answer the angel in Luke 1, verse 38? Then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord. So as read, the apostles were bond servants, the masculine form of servant. This is doule in the Greek, the feminine form of being a bond servant. So she is a maid servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In the uh, LYP Bible study a week ago, Friday, January 3rd, uh, Mr. Sheldon Munson covered this section in Luke 1. He said, the most honored woman in the history of the world. The NIV translates the one section where she says, the maidservant, verse 38. The NIV says, I am the Lord's servant. So just think about that. Your identity, who are you? Mary says, I am the Lord's servant, the NIV translation, or I am the maidservant of the Lord. The New American Standard uh, Bible says, and Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Uh, the King James Bible, and Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. So, Dule, the female slave or bondmaid, is what the translation is. And the New King James has uh, men servants and maid servants. So, again, Mary knew who she was. Uh, she was going to be the mother of the Son of God, and yet she called herself a handmaid, a maid servant. Turned, well, why, why would she be that, do that? And why would we be called servants, bond servants? 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. You all know the answer. You've been baptized. 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. Verse 18. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is, which is in you, which you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We've all been bought with a price, the very greatest price ever been paid in the, in the history of the world, the shed blood of the Savior Jesus Christ. You were bought with a price. So God has called us to serve in different roles and responsibilities. We are now bond servants and training to become kings, priests, and judges. But God also calls us his sons and daughters. I won't turn there, but 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18 I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So we know that we are called. We have a high calling. And yet we have different roles. And part of our training is as bond servants, maid servants, uh, men servants, as one of the translations has it at one point. Uh, the sermon on your identity and your calling. We need to know who we are because we're going to fulfill that role of being bond servants, going to fulfill that role of being kings and priests and judges. 
We are called to love, to care, to serve, as Mary did. She said, the maidservant of the Lord, I am the Lord's servant. So we know our calling and who we are. We're bond servants of Jesus Christ. So how can we serve? There's so many ways of serving. We've heard probably several sermons on that subject, but we'll discuss several ways of serving. But before we discuss those different ways, we must understand that we must be committed to serve. And some people are still, who have not made that commitment, are still trying, as, uh, as Mr. Wesson brought out in our recent sermon, trying to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And you can't do that. It's got to be a wholehearted uh, commitment to God. And we made that commitment at baptism. So we know, realize that we are bought with a price, that we've surrendered our lives, our bodies, our spirit, our mind to Jesus Christ and God the Father, that we belong to them. And once we make that commitment, there is the most wonderful peace that surpasses all understanding that we no longer have to battle on our own. That we have a living, loving Savior, a great high priest who ever lives to intercede for us, as it tells us in Hebrews 7 and verse 25. That we have an advocate with the Father. He's our lawyer. He's our intercessor. He's our living and loving Savior. So we make that commitment, but the commitment must include the matter to serve. Joshua was a great patriarch and a great leader in Israel. We turn back to Joshua, the 24th chapter. He was a committed leader, and he challenged the nation of Israel at the end of his life. He was a, an old man, he mentions that there in uh, Joshua, the 23rd chapter, in verse 2. <clears throat> but now here, turn to Joshua, the 24th uh, chapter, and starting here in verse 15. Joshua 24 and uh, verse 15. He was challenging the nation to make a commitment. <clears throat> he talked, actually, called the whole nation together. So he was talking to the whole nation of Israel. <coughs> Excuse me. And if it seems evil to you to serve the eternal, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. So they had been serving not God, but serving other gods. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river by the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the eternal. So this is a famous statement from Joshua. We will serve the eternal. As for me and my house, we will serve the eternal. He went in on a challenge, but he said, you're, you're not going to do this. Uh, the Lord our God, verse 17, brought you out of the house of bondage and preserved us. Then verse 18 and the Lord drove out from before us, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, oh, you don't really mean what you say. 
You cannot serve the eternal, for he is a holy God, jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the eternal and serve foreign gods, then he will turn to do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. So, and the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the eternal. Of course, they did serve the eternal after Joshua's death. It goes on to say uh, later on, verse 31, they served the eternal all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. So here we have a commitment. Uh, Joshua said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We need to have that same kind of commitment if we're going to be faithful and effective servants of God. So what are some of the ways of serving? We've seen it already here today and uh, every Sabbath and the Charlotte Family Weekend. So many of you have been serving in so many different ways, and we really appreciate that. <coughs> Let's turn to uh, Luke, the second chapter, to take a look at one of the major ways that we can serve. <coughs> Luke, the second chapter. And all of us, I hope, are serving in this way regularly. We've heard in the announcements the appreciation of prayers for, for those who are sick. Luke 2 and uh, verse 36. Luke 2 and verse 36. Here's an elderly lady, an elderly widow. <coughs> now there is one Anna... The prophetess, the daughters of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. How did she serve? Serve with fastings and prayers night and day. We all have different gifts of service, and uh, Romans, the 12th chapter, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, show that we all have different spiritual gifts, and we all serve in different ways. So Anna was not one that would go serve like a, a deaconess with physical uh, actions and service. She served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Uh, turn to Colossians, the fourth chapter. Colossians 4. Here's another example of someone who served in that way. And his name was Epaphras. Colossians, the fourth chapter. We start with uh, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Colossians, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, greets you always laboring fervently. Now, I don't know if you think of that in terms of prayer, that sometimes it is laboring fervently for you in, your, in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. 
So here is a man who served God laboring fervently in prayer. And I'm sure that some of you do that, that are here even in this congregation. It's a major way of serving because as we, I won't turn there, but you know James 5 and verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another, which we all are doing for all of our brethren who are ill and have other challenges, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's James 5 and verse 16. So that's one of the major ways of serving, and many of you are doing that. I hope most of us are serving in that way. Our prayers are powerful, and they do have a wonderful effect on the lives of others. So thank you, brethren, for your faithful prayers for all of our brethren, not only here in Charlotte, but around the world, and your prayers for God's work as well. Turn to uh, right there, probably across the page, Colossians 3 and verse 18. What's another way of serving? Another way of serving through, in addition to effective prayers, is that of fulfilling our God-given responsibilities. As fathers, you have a fatherly responsibilities. Mothers have a motherly responsibilities. Husbands, wives, sons, daughters executives, uh, employees, bond servants, all have a response, a God-given responsibility. In Colossians 3, uh, verse 18, <clears throat> Wives, submit to your own husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. We know that Ephesians, the fifth chapter, uh, expounds on those responsibilities, but this section just gives a little, uh, little summary of responsibilities. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. 20. <coughs> Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing in the Lord. Just as we heard, the, even the fish obey, and I must obey too, the little children said. So we appreciate that. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. So we need to fulfill our individual responsibilities. <clears throat> and I've shared with you before those responsibilities I pray about, about my responsibility as a husband. And Dr. Meredith's article in the Plain Tooth magazine so many years ago, and actually repeated in the Living Church News, what all husbands should know. And he listed five responsibilities towards their wives. Love and respect, support and encouragement, help and protection, leadership and guidance, and inspiration to grow. And I pray about those five responsibilities every night, you know, towards my wife. Dr. Meredith also wrote the article on Christian womanhood as a lost cause, and he gave five responsibilities of women, Christian women. This did not write one on specifically about wives, but this was Christian womanhood. Responsiveness of service, tenderness and beauty, 
intelligence and understanding, faith, hope, and courage, and Christian virtue. Those are the five responsibilities he wrote up for Christian womanhood. So as we fulfill those responsibilities God has given us, we're serving our families, we're serving our neighbors, we're serving extended family as we fulfill our God-given responsibilities. We had a uh, comment that came in over the Internet. It was from a member in Helena, Montana. Uh, she wrote, Thank you very much. Uh, this article was quite encouraging to me as a grandmother to get out there and do a better job myself. I have trouble getting around because of arthritis, but need to serve when and where I can. She was responding to an, a woman-to-woman -woman article Teach them to serve. This is, um, share your thoughts uh, on the uh, Internet. And this was an article written by Amber Leonard, uh, the 6th of September, 2017. A woman-to-woman -woman commentary, teach them to serve. We can encourage them to serve at services in many ways, uh, Amber writes. And she lists all these various uh, ways that children can serve at Sabbath services. Greeting, hand out hymnals, collect hymnals, give hugs, fellowship, take out the trash, sing, which we heard today and our children served, served us today, hold a baby, well, with certain cautions along that line. Uh, just make sure your young one stays in her line of sight with her parents' uh, bundle. And uh, Amber continues, all of these ways to serve encourage our young people to get involved, but we must also practice what we preach and personally strive to be examples of service to our children. So that was the commentary, uh, teach them to serve. Yes, children can serve effectively. So you children, you can ask your father and mother, how may I help you? So hopefully your children will do that. So let's strive to be fulfilling our God-given responsibilities. For turn to 1 John, the third chapter, for another way of service. 1 John 3. And uh, interesting enough that this particular verse is parallel to what we say in John 3.16. But this is John 3.16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So he's telling us, my little children, let us love, not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And so we need to help one another with our physical goods. That does not excuse someone from uh, not laboring as he or, he or she should. Uh, the, the, uh, he does not support his family as worth as a, worse than an infidel. Of course, God warns us through the Apostle Paul. But we should be able to give to our brethren. And, of course, Acts 20.35, you all know that. It's more blessed to give than to receive. 
Or as the Moffat translation, it's happier to give than to get. So we give of our physical goods. And I know even years ago in uh, New London, Connecticut, we had uh, uh, an Italian neighbor had an extensive garden. And every once in a while, on our back porch would be a box of vegetables from a vegetable garden. I never said anything. He would just give that box of vegetables on our, our back porch. It was so encouraging that people in the world know how to give and to serve as well. But give of your physical goods. Luke 6, turn to Luke, the sixth chapter. Luke 6 and verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You know, you always think when you're someone is... Um, scooping out ice cream at the ice cream parlor, you want to make sure they really, they really uh, make sure they put it uh, in the cup really full, you know, shaken down and, and good measure. Who well, God says it will be measured back to you as you had that attitude of giving. But we also need to be willing to receive help as well. We give. But we also need to be willing to receive help. Janth B. English gave this uh, approach in Woman to Woman, in the other side of serving, being served. Mrs. English wrote this at about the time when her seriously ill husband was home from the hospital and needed help in housekeeping. She offered to pay a younger family member, needed money, uh, but the family member refused. Another family member offered help without pay, uh, to which Mrs. English refused. She writes in the Woman to Woman article, The Other Side of Serving, Being Served. Quote, Afterward, I thought about what I had done and what had happened. As a result, I certainly had needed help. No, so why had I turned down my sister's offer of help? I realized I was reluctant to express my a need for help in anyone other than God. She later on says that it was a matter of pride. I like to see myself as others who would help and serve others, not the one being helped and served. She also writes uh, about the story I think some of you have heard before. This reminded me, she writes, of the story of the man who was standing on a rooftop to escape the floodwaters below. He prayed for rescue. And God sent him a rowboat, then a motorboat, and finally a helicopter. But the man turned down all help because he was waiting for God to rescue him. God had sent help, but not the way the man expected. <clears throat> so serve others by giving of your physical goods. Serve with an attitude of giving. God's work serves with an attitude of giving as well. And we've even seen that in the telecast recently. Quoting Matthew 10 and verse 8, Freely you have received, freely give. And we give all our literature, the Bible study course, all free of charge. And as was reported, I think the uh, 
family weekend or just recently that the mail, the MPD mail processing department mailed out more than one million uh, piece of booklets, CDs, DVDs, and other literature in 2019, all free of charge. So you are helping that way. You are helping the way of giving and helping God's work. So what, what other ways can we serve? We can serve by practicing servant leadership. Last Sabbath, Dr. Douglas Nail gave a sermon titled, Remember God's Restored Truths. We need to thank God for those restored truths. Dr. Winnale reminded of us our mission, the sevenfold commission of the living church of God. Number five that Dr. Meredith wrote some years ago, learn and practice servant leadership in all our dealings with others. Learn and practice servant leadership in all our dealings with others. Dr. Meredith writes in a commentary, writes, in all human history, the best example of servant leadership is that of Jesus Christ. Well, we see that in Philippians, the second chapter. Let's review that again. Philippians, the second chapter. Philippians 2. Philippians 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, or emptied himself, as the Greek has it, taking the form of a bond servant. And coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Dr. Meredith writes in his commentary, What is Servant Leadership? Uh, December 18, 2019. Servant Leadership is a concept and a practice that all Christians should implement. But what is Servant Leadership? And how can we practice it? In all human history, the best example of servant leadership is that of Jesus Christ. He had been with the Father from eternity. Yet since the Word and the Father had decided to bring millions of human beings into their family, this great being was willing to empty himself, as the Greek word is correctly translated in Philippians 2.7. In the human flesh... Jesus gave of himself all day long. He lovingly and patiently taught. He healed. He blessed. He encouraged. He served. Jesus had very clearly taught his disciples by his example. When I start reading back here in Philippians 2 and verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of, the, of love, Fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy and be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. 
<coughs> Let each of you look out not only for his interests, own interests, but also for the interests of others. In other words, ask, how may I help you? So we see that servant leadership is something that all of us can work on and can proceed with. Dr. Meredith continues in the commentary on what is servant leadership. In all our activities, the emphasis must be on serving. In all our activities, the emphasis must be on serving, not on pleasing the self or exalting the self or seeking a larger position. All of us must constantly humble the self through God's Spirit and try to be sure that we are genuinely motivated by a spirit of service in whatever we do. <coughs> if we have to take a lower position for a time, even as the Son of God did, in order to better serve, let us graciously do this and thank God for the opportunity. So practice servant leadership is another way of effectively serving. So we briefly discussed several ways of serving. You must always be willing to help and to ask the question, how may I help you? We must remember our commitment to give our lives as bond servants of Jesus Christ. We must remember the commitment of Joshua, and it should be ours too. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We need to choose the tree of life every day. Mr. Weston emphasized this in the Charlotte Family Weekend Sermon, and that was the title of the sermon, As for Me and My House. We can serve by laboring in prayer for one another in God's work. We can serve by fulfilling our God-given responsibilities. We can serve by visiting the sick. We can serve by communicating our love to the brethren and others. And, of course, in this sermon, we haven't covered all the ways of serving. We can serve by practicing servant leadership, following the example of Christ and the apostles. God has given us spiritual gifts, and we all have different gifts, and we all serve in different ways. And some can be, have the special gift of being caregivers. Not all of us can be caregivers, but some serve in that very special way. I know my sister served my mother for almost 10 years and before she died as a caregiver. So we can all serve in various ways. And many of you helped out the Charlotte Family Weekend and, of course, every, every Sabbath here and setting up for the PA system and the music and the ushering and in many other ways. Dr. Scott Winnell, who coordinated the weekend the Charlotte Family Weekend wrote the following on January 2, 2020, to the leadership. Quote, God blessed us with another very successful Charlotte Weekend, Family Weekend, this year. And it would not have been a success without all the preparation and hard work that you and your teams of volunteers put in. Please pass on my heartfelt thanks to your teams of wonderful brethren who also helped in so many ways. I want to thank every one of you very much for being willing to serve, lead in service at yet another Charlotte Family Weekend. 
Our total attendance this year was 557 on the Sabbath. You all helped make this a very special weekend, not only for our local brethren, but also for the many who traveled in from around the continent and from around the globe. Thank you for your tireless service and for walking the walk of Christ's way of life. You all are wonderful servants and set a fantastic example of love and service for God's people. Let's turn to Matthew, the uh, 25th chapter. Matthew 25. So, brethren, let's rejoice in our calling as bond servants and made servants of Jesus Christ. We need to pray daily for humility to serve and for the opportunity to serve. Pray for a giving attitude. Practice servant leadership daily. Matthew 25 and verse 21. Matthew 25 and verse 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter you into the joy of your Lord. So, brethren, may we as faithful servants continue to love others with a willing heart and a serving attitude. And so then we can always say, how may I help you?